0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Oh, that's right. Around the world on the interwebs at show.com and across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator hi how are ya what is happening it is the michael duke show and uh hey baby uh it is hump day middle of the week uh we're already here i can't wait i can't i absolutely can't wait for it to continue this morning uh, we've got more coming up including uh oh this weekend I guess I should mention this first and foremost this weekend is the big uh, radio auction that's right uh the big radio auction coming up on Saturday uh it's going to be uh, uh it's gonna be starting uh, at 10 a.m uh and I guess the peninsula stations are going to be picking it up starting at 11 and uh, we're gonna be covering all kinds of good stuff. We're going to have tons of big-ticket items and restaurants and hotels and uh, uh, helicopter tours and uh, dirt work and fuel. I mean, just all kinds of stuff that are going to be available for pennies on the dollar. It's going to be fantastic. And I hope that you're going to be joining us again this Saturday, 10 a.m., uh, and then uh, across the state, and then, of course, 11 a.m. on uh, 11 a.m., uh, the Peninsula stations are going to pick it up on 11 a.m. So that's going to be, yeah, there's going to be fuel. Uh, I think that's in the interior, though. I think, it's, uh, I think that's the available in the interior. So if you feel like driving up and picking it all up, you can do that. There's going to be all, all kinds of stuff out there. So it's going to be good stuff, good, good stuff. Um. All right. Well, today's show is full. It's going to be uh, starting off here in just a few moments. We're going to be talking with Sean Thorne, who is the uh, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, I'm looking. I love talking to Libertarians. I just I just love it. I know everybody's like, well, but they can't they possibly they can't make it. They're not gonna do it. It's just a wasted vote. It's I don't even care. I just don't even care. I love talking with people who are aligned with me and I just love that. Cause I'm I I feel like so much that I'm in the minority on so many things and I just I, I see it and I'm like, I could see it so clearly. Why can't anybody else see this? I just and we're getting to a whole new generation of libertarian voices now, which I truly love, especially a younger generation. I got him. I'm old. I just I just realized I'm old um, because Sean is a young man to me. And and Chris By I think, is I don't know how much younger Chris Bayh is to me. I think he's in his 40s. But, you know, there's some great libertarian candidates coming in um, and uh, and and, you know, putting their necks out there. And I love that. You know what I really loved? I love the fact that both, I love the fact that both Chris By and Sean Thorne thought it was a great idea to go down and participate in the uh, Comic Con, the Comic Convention here in the uh, in the South Central area down in Anchorage. Um, and they were there, and they did a. They were talking. They were showing how ranked choice voting worked using, you know, pop culture icons like you know Darth Vader, and I mean it was just. It's so, it, it just, bra- the inner nerd in me just clapped gleefully when I saw that. And I know many of the so, the solid politics, <laughs> well, I can't believe it. some pop culture and Star Wars and politics, it just doesn't. And all I could do is like, "Ooh, man. Yeah, Eskimo Libertarian was there as well. Um, I mean, there's some great, great, and Esko, speaking of young, you know, young, vibrant, libertarians, Eskimo Libertarian. She is amazing. Um, but anyway, I digress. I mean, this is just like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see this. Um, I did not, when I ran for office <clears throat> in Fairbanks, the, uh, the, uh, uh, borough assembly, uh, was nonpartisan, meaning you didn't have a party affiliation. Although I made no bones about the fact that I was a libertarian at heart. I, I guess I'm a small L libertarian. I'm not a member of any party or anything else, but it's, oh, it's so good. I just love it. I just love it. So anyway, uh, sorry I didn't mean to get all, um, I didn't I didn't mean to get all uh, sideways on that. But I'm looking forward to talking to Sean Thorne here in just a few minutes, and then after we're done with hour one, we're going to um, jump into hour two, and we are expecting uh, Mike Shower to be joining us and I just realized that I neglected to send the message yesterday uh, that I was going to to make sure that we were all good to go, and uh, I didn't send it. My day got away from me. It's such a hot mess. Um, All right, so I'm going to do that. uh, uh, I'm going to send that message right now, and hopefully he's awake. If not, good morning. Wake up, Senator. Uh, So we'll be talking to him, um, should be talking to him at 7.05 this morning. That was the deal. That's what we had agreed on previously. You heard it. It's on the recording. You can go back to the podcast and listen to it. He said he was going to take a week off and then come back to us. So fingers crossed that that's uh, where everything is going uh, uh, going on. Um, I guess we should hit on some of the headlines this morning. Um, I saw some phones pop in, and apparently they hung up. I saw some people call in here this morning, <clears throat> but uh, they have uh, since gone, which is just fine with me. I got plenty of things to talk about. People in the chat room already popping off the, this morning, talking about uh, the EPA shutting down Pebble Mine, power cost equalization program, um, a- asking about why uh, you know why the villages are receiving that but nobody else. There's some arguments that we could talk about there. Micro nuclear power plants for the villages, that may solve some of their fuel issues, just a thought We're starting to see more and more discussions now on micro nuclear power Which has been actually a, for those of you who have been following this debate for many years uh, This has actually been a discussion um, for quite a while uh, Going back, gosh, nearly 20 years now, I guess, 15 years ago maybe there was discussion uh, Toshiba Corporation had actually come up with a design for a uh, what they called a nuclear battery. Um, and uh, there was discussions about putting those out and doing tests with those um, in some of the rural areas. And uh, I think the thing eventually got shot to holes with the regulatory process and everything else. But uh, to me, that's, you know, you want to solve some of the problems. I mean, look at what happened in Europe after the whole Russian-Ukrainian thing. And many of the, the, even the Green Party members are like, well, I guess we can't shut down these nuclear power plants in Europe because it's the only way we're going to get cheap, affordable energy, uh, you know, without having to dig it out of the ground and pollution and everything else. I mean, it's, I, you know, I think it's the, I know science fiction writers have been writing about this for years, but I think it's the future. We got to figure out, you know, the one down thing, you know, one downside you got to figure out for nuclear, of course, is what to do with spent fuel. Uh, but if you can fix that problem, then, uh, you know, where do you go from from here? Uh, it is the cheapest, most affordable energy out there. Um, and uh, so I, I think we're starting to see some of that now. They're talking about uh, you know, pocket nuclear reactors in you know, in bases like Eielson and other places. And so I guess we'll see, but it, I cool stuff, cool, cool stuff to talk about that right now. Um, all right. Uh, what else we got here? Um, headlines, headlines. Who's got your headlines? Well, we've got uh, some stuff coming in from the governor's office, and this—I'm <clears throat> not going to say that there's any impropriety. I'm not going to say—I'm uh, not going to say that there's an impropriety, but you know, sometimes it's just the appearance of impropriety. Um. There's an article, and of course, the the ADN makes no bones about the fact that they don't like the governor. But this story is interesting. Governor Dunleavy uh, signed a contract with uh, with a consultant and longtime ally, Brett Huber, uh, who we've had on the program before to talk about various things. The contract allows him to work for the governor's office as an advisor— on what legal uh, cases the state should be taking against the federal government. He will, uh, and what, what and what they're calling on a statehood defense initiative, basically taking, you know, taking back power to the state from the federal government. At the same time, he is also working for a group called a Stronger Alaska, which is a group funded by the Republican Governors Association, which is um, – seeking to re-elect and elect GOP candidates to uh, the governor's offices across the country. So he's working for both. Now, of course, there is a law in place that says that there can't be any coordination between PACs, political action committees, and uh, the candidates that they support. Uh, That goes back to Citizens United. Uh, But what's interesting about this is that we keep seeing more and more of these kind of deals uh, where Huber, whose company is called uh, Strategic Synergies, LLC, receives a $50,000 contract for a six-months' worth of work. Uh, We saw another one of those. I mean, these have been going on uh, previously in in different um, iterations. Dunleavy also signed a contract with one of his own former aides where he does $50,000 worth of work uh, on renewable energy and policies that affect the DMV. He's also helping to lead Dunleavy's re-election campaign although he's working on a volunteer basis. There's just so many lines blurring on on so many of these things. And I'm I'm not saying that anything is being done wrong, but you know there's that whole appearance of impropriety kind of thing and you know if it looks lo- if it looks wrong or it feels wrong or it even has the hint that maybe people could take it wrong at some point you got to start asking questions like mm, should we be doing this should we be should we be doing this andrew jensen who's a communications aide in the in the governor's office also works as the campaign spokesman which again kind of blurs the line between he's a communications aide for the governor officially Uh, But he's working on the side for the re-election campaign. Not to say that we should be denying people their rights to go out and have a life, have a First Amendment right to express their viewpoints and do a lot of these other things. But, man, those lines get so blurry, so blurry. And it makes a lot of us, well, I mean, I don't know about a lot of us, but it makes me uncomfortable to watch some of these things. So that's something we could talk about uh, later on this week if you want to. Also, some good news: uh, some candidates have now popped up running against Gary Stevens, um, and he's got two conservative—I am assuming conservative Republicans—they're all—they're all Republicans at this point. So it's going to be—it's uh, going to be—a—it's a, a, going to be a race. Walter Jones from Anchor Point. Has uh, filed to run against Stevens as well as uh, Heath Smith, who is from Homer. Uh, they have both run and are both Republicans. If nobody else jumps into the race, it'll be a three-legged race coming from uh, the rank choice voting for all of these candidates. And I don't know a lot about them, so we're going to talk. <clears throat> we're going to get a chance to talk to them here uh, as the time goes on. We're going to get a hold of Jones and Smith, and uh, and hopefully we will. Uh, We'll get a we'll we'll get a little better feel for it, but that's good news. And I got an email. Final thing, I got an email yesterday um, from a listener who said that they had filed for House District twenty five, uh, which is out in the Palmer area. Larry Wood sent me an email and uh, said, uh, he said, I hope I'm. He said, I hope I'm conservative enough for you. No, hope the attached is conservative enough is a letter of intent. And um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm glad to see it. Today is the last day, by the way. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. tonight. Final deadline for uh, filing for office. So if you or someone you know has been thinking about it, running against candidates that aren't... Uh, aren't for smaller more limited government you may want to consider it 5 p.m that's the deadline all right my friends we are coming up against it more coming up on the other side including sean thorne libertarian candidate for u.s senate that's directly ahead the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio is
3: that? common sense regularly heard on american
2: radio all right <clears throat> walter jones is married to ruth jones who's been kicked off facebook a hundred times <laughs> that's a badge that's something they should put on their campaign flyers in fact: My wife has been kicked off Facebook a hundred times. Vote for me, okay? <laughs> I don't know either one of these candidates, but uh, it seems like, uh, based on the response in the chat room, they seem to be pretty good eggs. So we'll have to see what's going on. Um, I mean, I think it's time for Gary Stevens to retire. Uh, I think uh, let some fresh blood take over. He's been in the uh, he's been in the legislature for going on twenty 23- three. Years so this just twenty two years now, so coming up on his twenty third year, and at some point you got to be like, mm, I'm I think it's enough. I think it's enough, don't you? Um. Anyway, we will. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's good to see that there are more people throwing themselves into this race, and uh, we'll have some pretty cool uh, thing. Um. Wow, man. Twitch has got some real, real winners on today. Somebody just told me to kill myself. Kill yourself. No, I'm not interested. Sorry. <laughs> man, imagine that that's the highlight of your day, going on people's stream randomly and telling them to kill themselves. I mean, this is, I feel so empowered. I'm just going to go out there and do it. Oh, look. My pee-pee is small, but I'm still going to tell you to kill yourself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Man, another guy living in his mom's basement. All right. Um, Let's see. You can't fix the politics of radiological waste, says Brian. I mean that's the, I mean that's the the only downside to the nuke stuff right now is that for sure. Um, all right, it's six bucks a gallon for fuel and still rising. I'm willing to boil baby panda bears if it generates sufficient BTUs to offset the hole in my bank account to heat my home. Bring on the nuclear! Yeah, um, it's a bit early to say the official announcement hasn't been made yet, but I'm pleased to say we have a Republican to run against, Click Bishop. We've not given the name until the announcement, but it's a solid pro pro PFD individual. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. Let me see. Um, see somebody's on the line here on the phone. I'm concerned that my guest may have got the wrong phone number here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hey, Michael, this is Sean. I, uh,
2: Tried to call the other line, and I guess I'm just bad luck because it wasn't working again. Oh, well, um, let me just uh, let me just uh, hang everything up and make sure everything's good. Try it one more time, my friend, okay? And if not, you can call back here. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks. Um, all right. Uh, now that I said that, let me make sure that I actually gave Sean the right phone number because, you know, uh, no, that's the right phone number. Okay, just want to make sure that I... Just want to make sure that I gave him the right number. Okay. Um, all 50 states need to band together against federal overreach. The issue of land grabs by the feds come to mind. They have no constitutional authority for these land grabs, of which I totally agree. Totally agree. Phone's not ringing. That, that gives me pause. Oh, that also gives me Pause. So, I don't know what's going on, but did my phones crash? Hold on a second. Okay. So we got a dial tone again there. We'll see if Sean calls back on that. Um, Looks like uh, we may not have happened. Something was going on, but uh, I seem to have fixed it. So uh, we'll get Sean on the line here and maybe we'll call him on the other number when we get uh, to the next break. The Michael Duke Show Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Okay, well, good morning. Welcome back. Wednesday, continuing now. Our guest, which uh, my hotline wasn't working properly. I just reset all the phones, but because uh, it is what it is, we're going to uh, just work off the regular phone line, which does give us a slight delay, but that's okay. We're going to talk now with uh, Sean Thorne, who is a Libertarian candidate for Senate and he joins us this morning to talk about uh, all things related to uh. US government and more good morning my friend how are you
3: hey morning Michael thank you so much for having me on again I'm doing good beautiful morning it's been a beautiful spring so far so nothing too much to complain about so yeah. your phone line hates me
2: man I know it's uh whew, man it's a it's a it's been quite a summer so far hot 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 I was laying in bed last night with no covers on like, with the fan blowing on me, thinking, "Wow, I really miss that December weather." Sometimes, <laughs> especially when I'm trying to sleep. So, um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into it, Sean. You know, we've got uh, lots of contentious things going on around the country that are affected by, you, oh, man, know, pol- you know, policy created by our uh, uh, by our our federal leadership and our our senators and our Congress critters and everything else. Um, and so give folks a bit of your background to begin with. We've had you on the program before, so we don't have to go deep dive, but give folks a little bit of a background about who Sean Thorne is and where you come from and what your philosophy is.
3: Yeah, so, uh, short background I'm born and raised Alaskan. I, uh, lived in Homer till I lived in, uh, Wasilla, graduated high school up there. Um, love everything Alaska, I love hunting, fishing, flying planes, all the good stuff. Um, most of my work experience was in the Army. I was a, uh, by uh, by the Army's definition, a logistics officer, but I didn't really do that. I was more of like a city manager, worked for inflation management, and had a fantastic time doing that. And uh, now I'm back here, and you know, you mentioned earlier that I'm young, and uh, the reason I'm so young and I'm running is because uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid for our future. I want a future. I want my uh, my daughter to have a future. and man, it ain't looking good right now. Every day you turn on the news and it feels like we're in some parody of reality. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just a common sense guy. I want, I want people to be able to decide things for themselves. I want pragmatic solutions. I'm uh, very much a libertarian, and that's not because of some magical reason that you know makes me want to align with the party for uh, political expediency. That's because I actually believe in that, and I actually believe those are the solutions that we need at this point because it ain't looking good if we don't make a change. So, well,
2: well, and I think that's that the thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've seen that. Look, uh, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't want to get too far. No, I, I lie. I do want to get down into the libertarian weeds, but you know, I mean, it it is the you know the two party dichotomy has brought us to this position. Um, we've talked about it many, many times on the program in the past, uh, and I don't remember if you and I talked about it before. But you know, we we keep we keep being asked to choose. Between the lesser of two evils. And the problem with that choice is that again one of them is still evil. They're both one of them is just lesser than the other. And we keep talking about, well, this wing or that wing or the you know, the the conservatives or the progressives or whatever. But they're all it's two sides of the same coin, two wings of the same bird. And they've all brought us to this position here predominantly. And so we always hear, well, a third party could never do it. A third party can't do what's your other choice? The other choice is continuing to take the same flavor of evil uh, that you want and, uh, you know, or, you know, poo if you want. I always feel like somebody's handing me a choice on a menu and said, here, would you like the diarrhea milkshake or the poop sandwich? And I'm like, can I, is there a third choice here that I'd like to take? Because I don't like either one of those. And I think it's time, and of I think I'll take the diarrhea. I'm yeah, that you would ask. I know, really, why wouldn't you ask? It's delicious. I mean, the you know, but the, the the bottom line is, is that there's a time for a third party, and that time, I think, more than ever, is now in uh, in you know in in this country.
3: Yeah, a hundred percent, and you know. A lot of people, I know a lot of your listeners don't like ranked choice. I'm personally I'm optimistic. I'll be the first one to admit if I'm wrong about it. But uh, I'm hopeful. And honestly, it means you don't have to choose the or two evils. You can, uh, if you really believe in what I'm saying and you don't think I have a chance, well, take a risk. Put me as number one and then put, you know, whoever your pragmatic person you actually think one is number two. And uh, if I really have no chance, then I'll get eliminated and your vote goes to that person. Um, but. The unfortunate truth, a lot of people don't like this, it took us both Republicans and Democrats to get us our 20 years of war, $30 trillion in debt, and our horrible, horrible cultural divide. Um, ideally, people wouldn't be picking someone based on their political affiliation anyway. They'd be picking them based on what they're actually about. And uh, I think there's a really good reason why the, uh, the Founding Fathers when they wrote the Constitution came very close to banning political parties. And, uh, not to, I guess, in the interest of freedom, but, uh, we just, we have to do something different. We have to pick a different kind of person. And I, uh, i tell you what, when I get out there and I go to events and I talk to people, I really think people are ready for something else. Um, people's eyes are open to these problems and they're very aware that, uh, like you said, the dichotomy, basically that swinging pendulum left, right, left, right. But that's, what's gotten us this deep in the hole. So,
2: yeah, I mean, that's, it, it really is again. I mean, I, I I struggle sometimes when I talk to people because I'm 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 obviously conservative. I mean, I have a conservative bent. I'm a, I'm a I guess conservative libertarian, you could say. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I I I struggle even with people who are on my own side of the fence. Sometimes when they go, well, we really need this guy because, or we really need to keep this person in office because they protect our interests. And I'm like, protecting our interests? My God, I mean these these are the same people that have brought us to where we are today. They couldn't see the unforeseen, you know, the the, uh, unintended consequences of their actions uh, for voting for these things that they voted for over the past. They refused to take a stand because in the the name of going along to getting along. And you think that by continuing to leave some of these people in there, that that's going to fix it? That by having the same people, I mean, again, the definition of insanity from Einstein is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You're going to leave your guy in there because he's your guy, and you expect you're going to pepper some new folks around him and it's going to change anything? I mean, I'm just – I'm literally shocked sometimes when I have some of these conversations with people.
3: Yeah. No, I, I definitely I, – I've certainly had my share of them, and uh, I understand it's scary to make a change, and the way the media represents it is it's, it's uh, the ultimate, you know – uh, black and white issue, you know. Oh well, we can't let that side win, and uh, it's, its time to move past that. Uh, we need—we need new types of people desperately, and I think—I think people are really onto that. That's the reason you've seen, you know, so many Republicans like Tulsi Gabbard, and uh, I'm pretty sure she's like pro uh, universal basic income or or uh, universal health care things like that, and yet they—they they like her just because she's an honest person and she actually gives a. Uh, an honest look at things Right um, But
2: yeah. Well I mean no, She, she, uh, she was Every what, time's
3: the fight It's now
2: She is what we would Used to call A blue dog democrat Right I mean she is You know Stronger on fiscal policy Still wants a safety net Still wants to do these things But she's still Kind of more of a fiscal hawk um, I mean we, we've seen that uh, You know we've seen that In the past And again it didn't Used to be a bad thing On the progressive side That's why she's been Shunned by her own party At this point um, and, and I quite honestly, you're right I look more at candidates like that Like, huh, she's standing for I mean, I don't agree with everything But she definitely stands for a lot more than What uh, a lot of these other folks uh, are, are putting out there for And I think you make an interesting point, too I mean, the, I'm not a fan of the ranked choice voting um, But one of the silver linings is Is that people who keep squawking about Not wanting to throw away their vote Well, you don't have to You could still vote for your first choice and then still have, you know, two or three more choices after that if you really want to do that. I think, I mean, I guess that's the silver lining to it when it's all said and done. I'm not a fan, but it is what it is and we're going to have to live with it. So <clears throat> it's um, uh, it's interesting stuff. I want to get into some of the specifics here, Sean, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you would differ from our current senator uh, as far as the various portions of policy uh, foreign policy, fiscal policy, things like that. Um, let's start off because, of course, again, we're in the middle of this thing with Ukraine and all that. Let's start off with foreign policy. Um, the uh, uh, the the senator has not been; uh, she's been, you know, uh, kind of quiet on the positions of it. Obviously, seems to be supporting the relief uh, that we've been sending so far. Uh, but there's been a lot of moving parts that have got us to this position, including the u s. continuing to dangle the threat that uh, Ukraine was going to join NATO. I think that was one of the ultimate things that pushed things over in that region. What's your take on the foreign policy aspects of this? and I mean, what would you what would you be doing differently, if anything, than what uh, Murkowski has been doing in the past? What's your take on that foreign policy?
3: I mean, as foreign policy goes, i uh, I'm very much non-interventionist. I think she, uh, especially towards the start of her career, has very much enabled um, kind of the interventionist policy that we've seen, all these foreign wars uh, she's supported. I think one of the worst policies that the U.S. has ever done, the uh, authorization of use of military force, which basically says you no longer need congressional approval to invade a country, and uh, just the fact that you never hear that complained about really in Congress or in the media is, uh, terrifying to
2: me. Um, that's the abdication. That's the the abdication of one of their prime powers as a balancing force in government, right? I mean, there's a separation of powers for a reason and that they literally have abdicated that role, uh, and given it back to the executive, which to me is, I mean, it's insane.
3: I mean, they've, they've abdicated a lot, a lot more than that. And I think it's fully intentional and willing because now, if the president does something they don't like, they can complain about it and say, Oh, well, we need your support to fight this. And then if it's something they like, like yeah, we supported this, you know, and uh, it basically allows them to not have the voting record for those things. Uh, and it's just these, it's a tool of the, uh, the perpetually elected people that, you know, are just stuck in there forever. That seems so hard to dislodge. Right. Um, so, you know, in terms of the foreign aid, I sympathize with Ukraine. Uh, I think, you know, the libertarian answer to this is what uh, Ashton Kutcher and Miyakuna are sending over a ton of money and doing fundraisers. That's a non-government solution to get them some aid. I don't think that's our problem, especially I don't think it's our $40 $40 billion problem. Um, I think that is a fantastic chance for Europe to step up and give the military aid that they would like to. Um, It's their neighbor. I want Ukraine to uh, have the right to exist as they see fit. Um, But. Right now, we we definitely have our own problems going on.
2: So, let's uh, let's bring it now into um, uh, into fiscal policy. We don't have a lot of time here, so we'll just get started on it, uh, and then we'll take the break and come That's back good. to it. But fiscal policy. I mean, you've mentioned it thirty trillion dollars in debt. The answer always seems to be, if we've got a problem, we'll just throw more imaginary money at it. Uh, of course they dragged this 1. list last 1.8 trillion dollars out of the ether and then they were shocked shocked I tell you that all of a sudden we were seeing 7 8 9 10 11% inflation and they're like oh that had nothing one has nothing to do with the wait a minute it's a problem now um and and these kind of things just continue to go on what is your policy on um, on you know fiscal matters and the budgets and where we're at right now on spending in the US
3: Yeah. You know, according to the president, uh, government printing money helps with inflation. So I don't don't know why this isn't working. No, I mean, last 10 years we've gone up, you know, almost $20 trillion in debt. Like it's unbelievable. And, uh, it's almost like so much at this point that people are almost apathetic to it, but, uh, we have to stop. Uh, every time they sign one of these trillion dollars, it's just another trillion dollars and this is the one this is the one that's going to turn it all around and we're going to start making money again. And it's not going to happen. It's, uh, again, it's these people, they're just in for reelection. So they want to they want to get this money. They want to absolutely hose over the next generation or the next five generations, um, by doing this and to bring their constituents that little prize. And, uh, if we don't break away from it, then it's just going to keep getting worse. Eventually we're going to, you know, be trading dollars for Deutsche Marks. Um, and, Absolutely against omnibus spending and these giant, uh, giant spending packages, and I fully stand against all
2: of it. So, all right, Sean Thorne is our guest. He's a candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, he's going to continue with us here uh, in just a moment. We're going to uh, be back, so uh, don't go anywhere. We'll continue talking with him, and then expecting to hear from Mike Shower in hour two today. We will continue. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return in just a moment. Back with more right after this.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay, we're in the break right now. Sean Thorne is our guest. We got about six minutes, so feel free to ask any questions of Sean that you want in the chat room. I will uh, I'll try to pick out the ones that I think are great and we'll ask those questions uh anthony starts off with a comment that i think kind of works to what sean and i were just talking about of both the left and the right being part of the problem in this he goes the current politics works like soup we keep changing the seasoning in the broth while trying to ignore the turds that are floating around in it um and i think i think sean i think that should be your new campaign slogan stop ignoring the turds in the soup (laughs) yeah stop stop doing that already um Sean Thorne, do you consider yourself, asks uh, a do you consider yourself a great mediator?
3: Uh I mean I like to think so. I truly I uh I'm one of the people that if we disagree, I want to know why. And uh some people don't like that. You know, some some people I guess misinterpret that, but it's you know, I'll ask you the questions and it's because I I truly want to understand where people are coming from. Um I want to sit down at the table. And if I if I am elected, I don't want a room full of uh, echo chamber yes men telling me uh, what I want to hear. I want people that disagree. I want to come up with actual solutions. And I think that's something that's incredibly lacking in politics right now. Um, I love looking at the other, the other side, the other perspectives. Um, I consider all the time on issues, you know, guns, for example, um, I play devil's advocate with myself. I think about both sides of it. Um, wonder if I'm on the wrong side of it. And I certainly don't think I am, but a uh, thought experiment that I think a lot of current politicians are completely out of tune with. So I just want what works,
2: you know, um, w- Donna Ardwin, uh, one of our favorite people in the chat room says, would Sean caucus with Republicans or potentially give uh, team Biden a majority again in the Senate? What, uh, where would you, where would you sit on that? Who would you be caucusing with? Or would you try to stand apart? What's your What's your position on that?
3: I really don't believe in caucusing. I'm not going to you know, let them know where I stand on stuff. I think in general right now, uh, the progressive left has completely gone off the defense. So you don't have to worry about me uh, throwing in my lot there. But I also am not a believer in Mitch McConnell and the uh, crony right, so I don't want them to uh, count on my support. I want to be wooed, Michael. <laughs> um, I, I think be, you've seen a lot of power You've seen a lot of power with what a, a swing vote can do lately um, So that's uh, that's where I plan on sitting
2: Well, when things are this close, it makes it very interesting Because it used to be when you said, I want to be wooed It meant, well, then we'll give your state all the pork projects you want We'll give you all these monies and everything else It would be interesting to see somebody say, no, no, no I want to be wooed by showing you how much you can cut out before I give you my vote um, how much spending I can saying? reduce, how many government programs I can defund before I give you my vote. That's what I'd like to see.
3: You know, it's actually... Uh, oh, lost you.
2: No, I'm here. Go ahead.
3: All right. All right there we go. So uh, uh, the other day I was thinking to myself, you know, like, is there anything I, I would, you know, throw in as pork barrel spending? There's one thing I came up with. And that would be the one thing I'd throw in is that barrel fat would be uh, if we could finally just get whatever money is necessary, put a three-year time limit on it or what have you, and finish the land transfer, get the money for the survey, however much that is going to be, and finish this land transfer. Because we have a near California size of land that for so the last 30 years is supposed to be uh, going to the state of Alaska that's just sitting there. So
2: right, well, there's my weak spot that's not a that's not a bad thing. Anthony says, does do you feel like as a libertarian third party candidate there's a realistic means to effect change within the Senate with the entrenched established swamp monsters in place? And this of course reminds me of Rand Paul and others who have tried to make a lot of these changes. What what do you feel like? Is there a realistic means to affect change within the Senate? Yeah, I definitely
3: think there is. Um they're not all uh, horrid, terrifying swamp monsters of the night. Uh, I think there's some good people still left in there. Uh, not enough, certainly. Uh, there's people to work with, though. And uh, when it comes down to it, I'm serious. Like, when I get out, we go to events. Uh, we're generally – there's not a lot of candidates that actually set up booths at events. I don't know the reason for that. But normally we set up a booth and uh, talk to people all day, and people are ready for a change. And I don't think it's just Alaska. I think that's America in general. So – Uh, even if I'm the, uh, the first of this new wave of different types of thinking, um, I certainly don't think I would be the last. I think, I think there's a lot of people that are in for a a major shock because people are ready for something different.
2: Yeah. And then they're willing to try different things. I mean, we saw Trump get elected, which I think was a different thing. And I think that was a, that was a vote against the business as usual. We saw in 2017, the first time that the Pew report showed that, The majority, it was a plurality of Americans, not a majority, but plurality of Americans, uh, identified more with libertarian principles than either the Republican or the Democratic principles. And I think uh, that has continued to this day. I think we're seeing more and more people who just want to be left alone. And I think that is uh, the problem. Um, So uh, we're going to jump back into it here, Sean. Hold the line. Uh, We're going to come right back to you here. The Michael Duke Show. Like it, share, like it, share. Go to YouTube and subscribe. I need a 1,000 subscribers. Let's get it done. We're continuing now with Sean Thorne who is a Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. Before we went to break, we were talking about uh, fiscal policy. And the problem is, is that, of course, our spending is runaway and has been for, for years. But we've seen a, a hockey stick on a graph. We've seen the hockey stick of debt jump completely up out of control. $30 trillion in debt. And that's not just the, the current debt. I mean, there's an unfunded liability and other liabilities attached to that, Sean. I mean, I remember having a conversation with David Walker, the comptroller general of the United States here about 10, 12 years ago, where he said even at that time, the unfunded liabilities of everything that the government was owing was somewhere in the neighborhood of $160 trillion. I mean, $160 trillion. Uh, which again was just mind-boggling, and he actually had worked under two presidents, and finally pulled the plug and said, "I got to go out on the street and talk about this." Uh, and he didn't get a whole lot of traction. But I mean, there, you know, we're we're running we're running the risk and running on the edge right now of having a vast problem in this country here in the next decade because of this spending, right? Yeah,
3: I mean, I really think people are to the point where they're getting apathetic Uh, I I think they've been that way for a while and then the worse it gets the more it becomes that way where it's you know how do you even fight that amount of money uh, in the hole Uh, and it it will catch up with us it's just like you know just like how the media told us a year ago that uh, the government you know printing all this money uh, doing this uh, trillion dollar bill will have no effect on inflation well it kind of does um, and so where we're we, we going to be at in another 10 years the last 10 years we've had 20, 20 trillion and that was a drastic increase so what does the next 10 years look like and uh, how much is our inflation going to be then um, you know people people are retired all that money they have saved up in their bank account um, for their retirement it's you know if we have 18 percent inflation one of these days who I knows mean, probably coming soon then that money is just worth that much less and uh, it's it's that unspoken tax on you that they're just able to print money. They can say they're not increasing your taxes, and yet they have that money to spend, and yours is worth that much less. So it's it's the ultimate, uh, I guess, attack on uh, personal American finances,
2: as far as I'm concerned. Final thought on the fiscal, uh, you know, the fiscal. Ca- One of the things that's enabled the the out out of control spending is this idea of never really having a budget. It's just to continue. It's a CR, right? A continuing resolution, continuing resolution, raising the debt ceiling mm-hmm. every year. I mean, that's got to stop. We've 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 got to have a budget, an actual budget that we try and stick to. Uh, I don't think, I think it's been, I think this is the 14th or 15th year now that we've basically been running on continuing resolutions instead of actually, I mean, the one thing you could say but, but good, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things you can say bad about Bill Clinton, but at least under the Clinton administration. We ended up actually, you know, uh, pulling the budget in and balancing it out. But ever since then, it just seems like we've just been running amok. Um, are, are you a supporter of the continuing resolution, or would you, would you, you know, vote against that and vote for, you know, an actual budget, balanced budget?
3: I'm all for that balanced budget. And not just balanced, uh, you know, it's going to hurt, but I would love to... Uh, start paying it back a little, even if it's a dollar, uh, we, at some point we have to start getting that debt down. And, uh, unfortunately it always feels like, uh, whenever, whenever you go to cut government spending, uh, they want to cut it where it hurts the worst instead of, you know, things that don't make sense. <laughs> right. Like uh, F 35, did we really need to spend three trillionish dollars on that? Probably not. Do we, do we need as much, you know, almost a trillion dollars a year military spending? Probably not. Uh, There's places that you can cut that are pretty easy that aren't going to directly uh, and immediately hit the average American. So, yeah, I'm absolutely all for trying to wrestle that anaconda
2: under control. Um, Let's move off of that into one of the other hot-button issues. And this is one of the things that libertarians often become at odds with each other over. But we've seen in the news, it looks like the Supreme Court's going to rule on Roe v. Wade uh, this month now, I guess now this month. Um, and it's been leaked, of course, that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and I know there's a lot of libertarians on both sides of this issue. Where do you stand on um, on that, on the abortion issue? I mean, is it a your body, your choice thing, or is it uh, the non-aggression principle against the unborn? What I mean, where do you take a stand on this?
3: As far as the federal government is concerned, um, I guess, you know, I'm going to hop back to Roe, actually. I think uh, one of the scary parts about that is but that set a lot of precedent for not just abortion, but for adjacent issues. Like I, I was very hopeful that we would see a vaccine mandate case uh, come out of that using Roe's precedent because they you know, cited medical privacy as uh, the justification for that. So uh, I think in some ways that's a loss there, but um, as far as the federal government is involved, I tend to draw that line at the point of autonomy. Like if you were to have an emergency C-section and that baby could survive, that's where I would probably step in and say the, uh, the federal government should be concerned. Other than that, um, probably throughout the states, I, uh, I, I just don't know what the enforcement mechanism is. I, I don't like it personally, I have a little baby, um, but I try and separate emotion from the way I think about uh, how to interpret the law, and that's, uh, you know, autonomy. So that's
2: that's the real question to me. So you're personally against abortion, but you think it should be left to the states and not to the federal government. Is that am I dissecting that properly?
3: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's uh, I'm a shade of gray on it. I, on a lot of things, I'm uh, you know shade of gray. But uh, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good summary of it. Um, I just what what does it look like from the federal government? Um, what what is that enforcement mechanism? I don't think it's as simple as people think. And uh, I don't think it's their, uh, I guess, right and responsibility to do things like that.
2: Well, and I think it comes back to a question of, is it even, I mean, the ethical uh, the, the, you know, the ethical issues and the, mor- and the moral issues of it. As a libertarian, I've always struck out as it's, you know, that it's a direct violation of the non-aggression principle. Um, uh, and some would argue, well, you know, it's my body, my choice. But the problem is, is that you made the choices that created... Uh, you know, that created this situation, right? I mean, you're the one that chose to do the, you know, to 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 uh, do the deed or uh, partake in the activities that created this. You can't aggress against somebody else simply becomes because it becomes more convenient for you uh, in the, you know, in the short run. And I think that's a question of whether it should be even allowed at all by the social contract.
3: No, I definitely hear that. That's, uh, that's why I end up at that line of autonomy to me. That's what makes sense when I uh, juggle that issue. But I don't think I know, you know every situation. And I certainly don't think the federal government does either or has people's best interests at heart, uh, if rarely ever. So it's a, it's a contentious one. you know. But when I think about that non-aggression, that tends to be where I fall is that, that point where, uh,
2: where the baby could support itself. Yeah. Um, let's go, uh, final, let's finish things up here on a, uh, I guess a higher note for me, you mentioned earlier the, the guns and the second amendment, what's your position on that? I mean, again, speaking of federal overreach and, and things that the government really has no business in, um, what's your stance on the second amendment, especially in light of everything that's been going on recently?
3: Yeah. I mean, no one, no one likes a tragedy. Um, unfortunately the people that do bad things aren't following the law, right? can guarantee you, without hesitation, I'm the most pro-gun person running. When I see a mass shooting on TV, I don't think to myself, like, ah, you got to be in guns. You're never going to do it. Um, There's Also, people don't need a gun. There's there's other ways to do bad things, and uh, they're going to keep doing it. Uh, I would rather have my concealed carry, uh, my whatever I want for home defense, Um, and it's just the world we live in, so I am... Very, very much pro-gun and uh, I hate to see tragedies going exploited. Uh, it's, it's especially hard for me. I, you're probably the same way, but its I'm just so confident that the things they propose would do nothing to stem violence overall. Uh, I actually got in an argument with someone that I care about deeply the other day about this and uh, they cited the UK as an example. And I said, you know, the UK, there, there hasn't been a mass shooting since. And I said, well, let's talk about stabbings. And uh, I cranked the math out on the spot, and based on my math, you're 16 times as likely to be stabbed in the U.K. currently as you are to be shot in the U.S., and that's that's a significant uh, disparity in the data there. So, I uh, yeah, I believe it's your right, and I think if they want this gun control, then they need to amend the Constitution, they need to change the Second Amendment, because the way I read it. Says that you have the right to
2: own that Right, well it doesn't even cover The infringements that we have already I'd like to see some of those things repealed uh, Things that are already infringements On the law, but we're out of time for now yeah. uh, Sean Thorne You can find him at PickSean.com Sean, thanks for coming on board And joining us this morning, we appreciate it Hold the line for a second Folks, we're out of time Hour two dead ahead, we're expecting to hear from Mike Schauer The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio All right, let's, uh, let's do a quick finish up here with Sean before we let him go. Uh, good question in the chat room again, Donna, dropping a one on there. I didn't have time to get to before we ran out of time, but uh, question on border policy. This is another thing that many libertarians, including myself, battle it out on. Uh, many libertarians are fans of absolute open borders, but I believe that in a civilized society, even a libertarian society, you still have to be able to make sure that there's not bad actors who want to come into your community that you've created or decided to create yourself. And so there has to be some control at the border to know the people who are coming into your territory. Um, what say you uh, on border issues uh, here in the U.S.?
3: Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, on an emotional level, I would love for, for the libertarian dream of everyone to be able to come here and uh, seek a better life. But unfortunately, we have problems too, and the rest of the world is not libertarian. Um, so, as it stands now, I do believe in immigration reform. Right now, the process is a mess, and I think that there's definitely some improvements we could make there. But I think we got to make sure that we're tracking who's coming in, that they're doing it the right way, and they're coming through the uh, proper ports of entry.
2: Um. Well, I mean that's refreshing because again, I've, I've had a lot of libertarians in the past that I've talked to that are like, no, no, open borders for all. Anybody should be able to come in anytime. Free transit of this or that, and a, And a, you just pointed out, not everybody out there is a libertarian. Not everybody out there believes in freedom and and uh, you know and, and individualism and and individual rights and non aggression. Uh, others don't believe in that. So we have a responsibility to protect ourselves and those in our communities from the actions of others who would do harm to us and disrupt the system that we're living under. That's, that's
3: similar as to the way I feel about trade is that uh, when it comes to inside America I'm very very laissez-faire I think you know there's way too much bureaucracy people should be able to operate businesses they want Uh, but when it comes internationally uh, people do bad things and uh, I don't believe in just open laissez-faire I I have a problem with the fact that uh, China uses slave labor to make iPhones that isn't okay to me just because they're a valuable trade partner I have a problem with the fact that we buy gas from countries where you're allowed to murder people uh, because they're gay. Uh, it, I don't like these things, so I don't tend to agree with some libertarians on that as well.
2: All right. Well, I know so,
3: they don't like those issues as well. I'm not yeah, no, I mean,
2: but. again, it, you know, it sounds sounds like, Sean, sounds like the problem is you're not libertarian enough, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a, I, I don't know how many times I've heard that. You're not libertarian enough because you don't believe in... You know, my body, my choice, or open borders, or whatever. It, I mean, I guess that's the problem. A lot of times, with libertarians is they end up circling the wagons and shooting inward. But uh, that's uh, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the end of it. Um, let's let's uh, let me give you the pitch, here, or let you give the pitch. Uh, elevator pitch, last sixty seconds here, Sean. Why should folks uh, pick uh, Sean Thorne in the primary and then in the rank choice voting uh, in the general? What what say you?
3: You know, when it comes down to it, uh, everyone knows we need something different, and you, people are some people are scared to take that jump and to uh, to actually, you know, put their money where their mouth is and pick something different. Um, and there's never been a better time for relief. How many how many lives have we thrown away in the last 20 years uh, of war, just constant endless war? Uh, and what did, what do we get out of that? I think some people got really rich. Uh, look at our debt. Our debt is absolutely through the roof. It's going to keep going. I Firmly believe in people's personal freedoms. I want Alaska to have control of Alaska's lands and be able to make decisions for ourselves about ourselves. Um, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to actually fight spending, uh, which certainly Republicans say but do not do. I see very often. And I believe in transparency and accountability. You know, I'm a normal guy. I have no interest in being a forever career politician. I'm going to do one, you know, this one term and then uh, maybe one more, and that's it. I've signed that pledge and I'm going to stick to that. And then. Uh, It'll be someone else's turn to step up and do that, but it's, I'm only running because like, it's an act of desperation. We have to do it different. So you have ranked choice now. Uh, everyone out there has ranked choice. Uh, if you if you really want something different, then I'm here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything, and uh, I think we all know if that if we don't change something, it's not looking good.
2: So pickshaw.com pickshaw.com Sean Thorne uh libertarian candidate for U.S Senate thank you my friend for coming on board we appreciate you being part of it today yeah thanks for having me all right thanks for thanks for uh, coming out uh all right uh we're coming up uh, hour two here we're gonna have Mike shower hopefully again fingers crossed let's go over to the phones here and take this uh call uh see who this is good morning who's this where are you calling from Yeah, this is
1: Jeff from North Pole.
2: Hey, Jeff, how are you? What's on your mind, real quick here?
3: Yeah, real quick. I just uh, I like mostly what the what the gentleman just said. Uh, the thing I would completely disagree with, and I think it's just uh, an un- uneducated point of view. I mean, we need to balance the budget, absolutely. But I everybody, both sides, instantly always goes to the military, and I don't understand that with the today's climate and culture. Uh, this, this is the last, the last thing he mentioned the F thirty five and like. Uh, it was up to me. We'd have twice as many uh, with the threats that are going on in this world right
2: now. Okay. No, I mean I think that the military, of course, uh, national defense is one of the arms of the Constitution that actually is pretty explicit. I think it's one of the things we could continue to pu- explicit. put. Explicit. Uh, yeah, uh, that we could continue to put money into. Um, I don't know. Is that it's always the money that's spent wisely? I mean, we've seen the whole the Reagan Commission. You know, the six hundred dollar hammers and the thousand dollar toilet seats and things like that. But uh, definitely it wouldn't be the first line that I would go to in cutting a budget uh, because, again, I think it's one of the things that is definitely. mandated by the Constitution. But <clears throat> I agree. Um, yes. We need 60, a strong— 60%
3: of the budget is what? goes to entitlements.
2: Oh, yeah, more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm with you on that, Jeff. Hey, thanks for your call. I'm sorry. We're up against the break. Uh, we're coming back to the uh, to the top of the hour. I haven't seen shower yet, but we'll— fingers crossed we get him to come in otherwise we'll just go open line open form and we'll start from there how about that how about that back with more of the michael duke show common sense radio
0: the Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Yep, across the world on the interwebs and around the state of Alaska on uh, this your favorite radio station and/or translator. It is the Michael Dukes Show. Uh, thank you for coming in and joining us. And uh, I, I got, uh, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. That Mike Schauer has not responded to me. Uh, although he was supposed to be on this morning. I feel so bad. I was supposed to get him a text message yesterday. Uh, Well, I wasn't supposed to, but I was planning on getting him a text message yesterday to confirm, and the day just got away from me. I've sent it this morning, but I haven't heard anything back, so hopefully he calls in this morning here sometime in this hour to pick things up with us for the obligatory shower hour of power, or maybe the abbreviated at this point. Uh, But I'm going to open up the phone lines and see what uh, you guys have to say this morning. We were just talking about, um, well, we just finished up with Sean Thorne, who is a Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. It's a very interesting points of view. We had a caller uh, during the break uh, who uh, finished up or called in after Sean was on, uh, talking about taking issue with Sean's position on cutting into the military uh, because, especially in this day and age, it's one of the things that we – uh, that he felt the caller Jeff from North Pole said that we really really needed. and I will say this I you know that I agree that if we were going to start cutting budgets the first place I mean the place that I would not go to first would be to the uh, to the military I mean we've got a constitute it's one of the few constitutionally provised things that the federal government is supposed to take care of is national defense now that's not saying that there is not a tremendous amount of efficiencies that couldn't be found in the military. I mean, we still, I mean, nothing really much happened with the Reagan. If you remember the Reagan report uh, where they went through and found all the, you know, $600 hammers and $1,000 toilet seats that the military was buying uh, through its procurement process, the massive amounts of waste that was going on uh, at the DOD, Uh, not to say that their things couldn't be trimmed or, uh, you know, or streamlined or, you know, made better. But it would not be the first place that I would probably look. There are many other programs that are not constitutionally provisioned that uh, I think I would be looking at. But I think all things would be on the table at that point., uh, but infrastructure and military are two of the things that the federal government has actually got uh, uh, you know has got some uh, some standing in constitutionally. Uh, and so I think that would be one thing that I would definitely. It would probably be now the dinner down near the last part, the Grace Report. Thank you, uh, Donna. The Reagan the Reagan Report was actually called the Grace Report. Uh, it was done during the Reagan era. <clears throat> That's why I was calling it that. But luckily, there's people who've got a better memory than I uh, uh, than I do uh, in the chat room helping me out there. Um. All right. Uh, phone lines are open right now at 433-3150, the Pivotel call in line. If you want to call in. Feel free to do so. Powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. I want to hear what you guys have to say uh, about this whole thing, and um, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to hear what you guys have to say on the topics that we've been touching on here uh, across the state of Alaska. Uh, it looks like that there could be. and I have not looked at the full registry yet, but uh, it looks like that there could be some offices in the state that may have. Only one or even potentially even no candidates uh, filing for those seats, which to me is a kind of a sad thing right now. That is a a sad thing. Um, I would love to see more and more people, um, you know, reaching out and and jumping into these offices and uh, at least trying their hand at it may uh, i don't care if you're a, if you're a, a never have held office and you're just a mom or a dad or whoever trying to get by but you've run a household and you've i mean you could you can do this you can do if you can run a household budget you could probably figure out how to make our state work a little better today is the last day today is the last day 5 p.m. today, the final filing deadline for statewide office, and so you know you need to check in your district, in your your Senate district or your House district, you need to make sure that you're still in the same one, because some of you have changed now because of the redistricting. You need to find out who your you know who your incumbent is, and see if they've decided to uh, to continue or not. I mean, there's been so many changes. Um, where legislators are either going from the House and now running for Senate seats like James Kaufman and, um, um, and uh, 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 Garen Tarr. They've both jumped into their Senate races, and we've had a lot of people who have bowed out. Um, you know, I mean, we we named all the names last week, but, you know, Steve Thompson uh, was out already, Greyer Hopkins, um, uh, Laura Reinbold is out, Peter Machicke. I mean, there's a, there's just a ton of people who have decided to pull the plug, and uh, and and I don't know if that's a function of um, there was there's a there's an article here talking about there's an actually this is a great article by the way if you haven't read it yet uh, it is where's the title I want to make sure that I get the title right um, how we got here. The Bill Walker Caucus created chaos that led to this year's one-third turnover in the legislature, and it goes on to talk about the history of the legislature for the past seven years, and it talks specifically about you know what's going on and how many of these, um, many of the, the 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 dropouts that you're seeing this year, people who have decided not to run probably has a part to do with kind of the contentious nature of what's been going on in the legislature over the last few years. And um and and it talks specifically about it and it's very interesting and I think you're seeing I think you're just seeing exhaustion on the part of many of these legislators that's why they've decided not to run for re-election. Who else who else dropped out? Sarah Rasmussen dropped out. Um, uh, haven't heard yet whether or not, and I guess I should, maybe I can try and find it during the next break. Um, uh, I don't know if Kelly Merrick has refiled for her seat. Not that I, you know, not, not that I could, uh, not, you know, not that I would expect her to be reelected based on the reaction that I've seen from her district, but she hasn't filed. Um, Matherly filed, um. For Senate seat P yesterday, Jim Matherly, the mayor of Fairbanks, Kawasaki has still not filed in that seat for reelection. Um, Susie in the chat room tells me no one is running districts 16 and 21, and I haven't reoriented myself with the new districts yet, so I'm not sure which areas those cover compared to the old districts. But there's a lot Merrick filed for Senate. Okay, so Merrick filed for Senate uh, in that district as well. Uh, Good luck. Good luck to him. Where are the rest of the citizen legislators who want to stand up and step up into these seats? Now, what happens if nobody files for those seats? That's a good question. I believe that if nobody files for the seats, and because of the new rank choice voting, you have to register for write-ins. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that would work. I mean I guess if nobody runs for the seat or nobody registers for write-ins then they would be appointed by the new governor. That would be, you know, if those seats were empty. Um <clears throat> but um yeah, there's a lot of people out there uh who are just uh you know, I think that they're just tired of the of the rat race, the the back and forth and everything else. It's got to be I mean it's exhausting for me to cover it let alone having to live it. I mean, what I see from my end is a fraction of this. I mean, I get tired sometimes, like, oof, I'm glad I don't have to live in it and stew in it 24 hours a day like they do when they're down there in Juneau doing their thing. Uh, no one is listed for District 16, and no one is running for District 21. So that's what we're hearing. I guess I should pull up the new map, um, which I'm sure this is not great radio, but we'll figure it out. Uh, new uh, districting map. Alaska uh, let me see if I can find the new uh, legislative districts and figure out uh, which one is the which one is the final uh, uh, which one is the final one interim may interim um, district 16 is uh, the portion of downtown Anchorage and district 20. No, District 21, sorry, is, I don't know where this one is because I can't tell by the shape. Uh, District 21, which is also part of Senate District K, is also in Anchorage. It looks like it's, uh, I guess it's Hillside. Is that Hillside? Yeah, it looks like it's Hillside in Anchorage. Anchorage. Oh, no, this is the UMED district. I think this is part of the UMED district, which they just, I think somebody just filed for that. Uh, There was an actual picture uh, in Must Read, if I'm not mistaken, showing that uh, Andrew Gray is filing for the UMED. Oh, that's number 21. So that's 20. So, uh, okay, so that's part, that's the, okay, so UMED is on, the, so this is deeper. This is the one that's past UMED going up onto the, I guess this is lower part of Hillside or wherever it is. Anyway, there are still some districts that are un un unfilled, unopened. So we'll have to see where it goes and what it looks like. Who's running in twenty since Ivy left? Well, as I just said, uh, it looks like Andrew Gray filed for that seat. I know nothing about him, um, but we'll uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what we'll see what comes out. Both Forrest Dunbar and uh, Andrew Gray were photographed at the Division of Elections um, these last couple days filing for those uh, filing for their respective seats in that. But you know, if it comes down to it. Like I said, every candidate should have a challenger. Even the candidates we love, even people like, you know, you know Kevin McCabe or Mike Schauer or Sarah Vance or whoever it is, I believe it's always good to have a, an opponent because it keeps you sharp. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you, um, you know, fighting for your, uh, you know, fighting and keeping your principles strong when you have an opponent. I think it's ultimately important to keep those things uh, going on. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Kevin McCabe. Just dropped me a link in the chat room with the primary elections and who is who is running for what seat. So thank you for that. Um, you know, if I was a good radio host, I probably would have pulled all these out earlier on, but I hadn't hadn't quite got there yet. So we'll go through these here in just a bit uh, when we return. I've got a full list of who is filed and is officially in each one of these races, and we'll go through them and talk about uh, where, you know who's who's what who's who and and where they go. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens here uh, in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, the Mike, uh, the common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We will be back with more and your phone calls, and hopefully, we'll hear from Mike Shower as well. Back with more right after these messages.
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay, well, thanks to the chat room for hooking me up with that. Um, Thank you, Kevin, for giving me the... uh, List for the primary. Brian asks, "Could and should these districts go with uh, go unrepresented or underrepresented?" I don't. Th- I don't. I mean, I have to read the Constitution to see that portion of it, but I don't think that the seat can go unfilled. I think it would eventually. It would go to the governor to have to appoint somebody. That's what would have to happen as I, you know, uh, you know, if the past is any consideration, you know, when representatives, uh, re- resign or move out or, you know, whatever the, the, they're appointed by the governor, uh, Dunbar is the worst. When Dunbar was running for assembly, he said he had no intention of running for anything else. Guess that ship is sailed. <laughs> oh, Greyer Hopkins actually filed. Oh, because the word on the street has been for months that he was not going to refile and that he was going to uh, he was gonna he was gonna pull the plug. So that's uh that's interesting. Division of elections is a hot mess. There are many candidates harassed because they get their mail in other location than their home. The division flags these candidates and harasses them. Huh. Um Oh God! Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm looking through some of these candidates. I should have. Uh... Okay. <clears throat> I'm looking through. Looks like there is. I wish they would give the certification date for these candidates so we know who registered when. Click Bishop does have an opponent, Burt. Williams. Uh, he's a registered Alaska. He's a, apparently Alaska Independent Party. AIP candidate. Uh, Dan Ortiz has got another nonpartisan fighting against him. Um, Sitka, state rep for District 2. No incumbent. Um, Andy Story. Sarah Hannon, an undeclared and a Democrat. That's interesting. Louise Stutz has got a uh, got an opponent in the—I've uh, got to hold this. This has got a lot of good information in it. Thank you, Kevin. I'll drop that right there. Uh, District 6, Sarah Vance has got two nonpartisans um, fighting against her. Uh, Ron Gillum's got a challenger. Ben Carpenter's unchallenged. Laddie Shaw's got a challenger. Uh, District 10, which is in Anchorage, two Democrats and a Republican. Um, District 11, two, Demo- two Republicans and a Democrat. Calvin shreggy has got a Republican voting or uh, running against her. A lot of good stuff in here. 16, nobody. Nobody. Harriet Drummond and Zach Fields. I just, that just cracks me up that they're going to be running against each other. Um, David Nelson. District 19 has got two Democrats duking it out. Uh, let's see. It's District 21. Nobody. Nobody. Interesting, twenty three. Jamie Allard still does not have a challenger in District twenty three, huh? She might, uh, she might walk away from this one. Um, that's a that's an interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, all right. So we're gonna go through all this, and I guess we will. I guess we'll just walk through this with the listeners. That just, I mean, that that seems good. Republican. Democrat, Republican, Independent. Another one. District 32 now is in Fairbanks. That's interesting. Yeah, I got to look at this map again. I I mean, I I stopped looking at them before they decided what they all were, and then I never pulled it all out. All right, so we're going to have to take a look at all this. Here we go. Well, hi, how are you? The chat room and I have just been going over this list. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. A special thanks to Representative Kevin McCabe. I didn't even realize that this page was available. Um, This is on the Alaska Division of Elections. And it is uh, the primary candidate list. And the reminder, of course, is that the last day to file as a candidate for the primary election is 5 p.m. today. So this is this is super interesting. Um, all right, so they've got a whole list of uh, candidates at the top of the page here. There's a whole list of uh, uh, the statewide offices for you know senator and and Congress and governor and lieutenant governor. And we're not going to go through all that because I don't think it really matters we We've been through many, many of these things um there's some names here that i just I didn't even know were' running for office at this point that, it just that kind of blows my mind um names that I wasn't even uh names that I wasn't even familiar with uh but let's scroll through all that and get down into the meat of it with um. The different offices, and and there are some interesting things here uh, that I think are, I mean, it's good. There, uh, so we're going to start off with the Senate districts, and uh, of course, everybody's number and you know wherever district you were in, you're no longer in that district anymore because they've changed things all around. Uh, Senate District A, which covers uh, Sitka, Petersburg, down there in Southeast Alaska. Bert Stedman is the incumbent. He has filed. He has a challenger, Mike Sheldon, who's also a registered Republican out of Petersburg. He is running against Bert Stedman. Uh, Sheldon has run in the past, and I don't know uh, what his chances are, but uh, again, I would be throwing money in the ring on his side versus Bert Stedman all day long. Jesse Keel is the Democrat in Juneau for Senate District D, uh, B, and he is the only candidate um, in that seat. So he is running, as of today, again, this is 7.30 a.m. on the 1st. we got just under 10 hours now to go, somebody to sign up. But Jesse Keel is running unopposed in Senate District B. In Senate District C, which is uh, uh, south-central or uh, south-south-central, the peninsula, southern peninsula, Uh, Gary Stevens is the incumbent. He has two uh, registered Republicans uh, uh, voting or running against him. As I mentioned earlier, Walter Jones and Heath Smith, both Republicans. That's going to be an interesting fight uh, for sure. I can't wait to see what that looks like. In Senate District D, which used to be Senate District O, um, uh, down in the uh, Kenai-Soldatna area, Tuckerman-Babcock is running. This is the seat that was held by Peter McChickey. He has run, but my understanding was he has filed, but my understanding from last week was that he was pulling out and he was resigning. So he's still on the ballot as of now. He has until the 25th of June to um, uh, to remove his name. But he is currently still registered as the incumbent. Uh, Tuckerman Babcock is a registered Republican Jesse Bjorkman is also a registered Republican running against him, and Andy Sizek is—I hope I pronounced that Uh, right—Andy Sizek is a is a nonpartisan uh, running against him as well. Senate seat E. This is Roger Holland's seat in Anchorage. Uh, He's running. He's filed. Kathy Geisel back in the mix. Oh, God. Kathy Giesel running as a registered Republican and Mark Cox. So three Republicans all duking it out for that seat uh, as well. Uh, James Kaufman, uh, formerly a representative for Anchorage, is now filing for the new Senate seat F. Uh, As a Republican, Janice Park is the registered Democrat, and they are fighting each other. In that race. Uh, Senate seat G, which is the Anchorage seat held by LV Gray Jackson. Um, he She was uh, running. Uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Hensley had registered and filed earlier, but she has withdrawn her name, according to the website now, from that. Marcus Sanders, though, is going to be the registered Republican uh, candidate in that district. I don't know why Hensley's pulled out. There may be... Maybe there's some coordination behind the scenes where they decided they didn't want to split it between two Republicans versus Elvy uh, Gray Jackson. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, That's pure speculation on my part. But Kathleen Hensley has withdrawn. Mia Costello, uh, she is the incumbent in seat H, and she is running unopposed. Tom Beggage, seat I, the incumbent in Anchorage, also unopposed. Senate seat J, which is the newly formed Senate seat, has Garantar, Forrest Dunbar, and Drew Casson, all three Democrats, fighting it out amongst each other over that seat. Uh, Senator Bill Willakowski of Anchorage for Senate seat K, also running unopposed. Uh, in Senate seat L, uh, one of the newly district, uh, uh, d- a districted uh, um Senate seats now, I believe this is the seat that was currently being held by Laura Reinbold, or part of it anyway. Uh, That is the one that Kelly Merrick has filed for as a registered Republican. Ken McCarty also uh, filed for it as well, registered Republican, and Joe Wright. All three Republicans, or at least registered Republicans filing for that Senate seat L in Eagle River. Shelley Hughes running unopposed in her Senate seat in Palmer, seat M. Uh, David Wilson in Senate seat N in Wasilla, which Stephen Wright is running against him. Both of them registered Republicans. I wish there was a third choice in that. This is my senator. I wish there was a third choice in that seat. Mike Schauer running unopposed in Senate uh, District O at this point as a registered Republican. Again, um, this is as of today, 5 p.m. tonight is uh, uh, is where it goes. Um, <clears throat> Senate seat P, which is currently held by Scott Kawasaki, he apparently is not refiled yet. Jim Matherly, the mayor of Fairbanks, is running for that Senate seat right now. State Senate in what was B, now Q. Rob Myers uh, running as the incumbent. And Arthur uh, uh, Surkov Sirkov is the uh, registered Alaska Independent. So I'm assuming that's AIP, Alaska Independence Party, running against Rob in Senate District Q. Um, Angie says Doug Massey is running against Shower. Well, this is updated. Um As of this morning, so I don't know if Doug has filed yet or not, but Shower is showing as the only incumbent in that seat right now. And they actually say at the top of the page, let me just refresh it, because it says refresh the page often because we will update them as the paperwork comes into them. Um, Page last updated yesterday at 10 p.m. is what it says right now. And it's still showing that Mike Shower is running unopposed. So... Somebody may be saying that they're running for the seat. Well, they got until 5 p.m. tonight to go in there and actually get the paperwork in order. So hopefully nobody is, you know, nobody is doing it. Somebody just said I should just go sign up in my district and run against. No, thank you. I have a real job. Um, Actually, I have four real jobs. I don't need a fifth one. Um, Let's see, Rob Meyer. Click Bishop has got uh, is in Senate seat R, and he has a challenger. Alaska Independence Party candidate, Burt Williams. Um, and so we'll see what that, uh, we'll see what happens. Doug Massey could not file until today as he just retired yesterday. Okay, so apparently Doug Massey will be filing today. Lyman Hoffman in Senate District S in Bethel. And I saw earlier that Willie uh, Keppel in the chat room said he had just made it over to Bethel yesterday. Uh, to file for that seat. So you will see Willie Keppel filed today as a, I don't know if he's a, a Republican or as an undeclared, but Lyman Hoffman is the incumbent Democrat at Senate seat S. Daniel Ortiz, is got a, uh, Ortiz has got a, a, a challenger. Uh, both of them are nonpartisan. Siobhan Meggett, although my understanding is that Siobhan Meggett is also more conservative than Daniel Ortiz. So we'll see how that goes. Now we're going into the, <clears throat> that was the first state representative uh, position. State House uh, in Sitka, down on the peninsula southeast, Rebecca Hemshoot and uh, Kenny Scaffoldstad. Hemshoot, the nonpartisan scaffoldstad, the Republican. Andy Stories running unopposed in Juneau for District 3. Sarah Hannon, the incumbent in District 4, is being challenged by an undeclared named Daryl Harmon. Uh, Louise Stutes in District 5, the incumbent, Kodiak area, being challenged by Benjamin Vincent, who's a registered Republican. Um, In District 6, which is Sarah Vance's district, she has two nonpartisan challengers, Ginger Bryant and Louis Flora. Again, don't know anything about either one of these, but we're going to get more information as we go forward. District 7, which was uh, used to be District 29, uh, Ron Gillum, the incumbent with a challenger, Justin Ruffridge, registered Republican. So two Republicans duking it out there. Ben Carpenter's unopposed in District 8. Laddie Shaw in District 9, the incumbent, another registered Republican, Rick Castillo, uh, running against him. So two Republicans in that seat. In District 10, which is an Anchorage district, um, looks like this is either one that was redistricted where it districted the uh, incumbent out. These are all three non-incumbents, one Republican, Craig Johnson, followed by two registered Democrats, Sue Levy and Carolyn Storm. In District 11, uh, Ross Beeling, Julie Columbi, and Jennifer Soane, two Republicans and a Democrat running for that seat. Calvin Trege, the incumbent in District 12, is being faced off with with registered Republican Jay McDonald. District 13, ah, this is where Kathy Hensley went. Kathy Hensley pulled out of the Senate race to go back and run uh, in District 13 in Anchorage, and she is fighting against two Democrats and an an Independent. Uh, Timothy Hoot, the Independent, Andy Josephson, and Chris Tuck, the Democrats. That's probably a smart move on her part to do that. Uh, number 14 is District 14 is uh, District in Anchorage, and that is Nicholas Danger, the registered Republican. Man, if he doesn't use danger zone as some kind of campaign slogan, danger zone, uh, then there's something absolutely wrong there. Nicholas Danger uh, fighting against Elise Galvin and Jim Wright, both Democrat. Well, Galvin is a nonpartisan, but we all know that. Tom McKay is running for re-election in District 15, unopposed. District 16 has no candidates filed. Wow. Harriet Drummond is the incumbent in District 17, along with Zach Fields. They're both listed as incumbents because redistricting pulled them both into the same district. So they're both incumbents, Harriet Drummond and Zach Fields. Ooh, that'd get nasty. Then in 18, David Nelson, this is the East side Muldoon area where uh, Gabby Ladoo used to be a part of, but David Nelson is the incumbent. Now he's facing off against two Democrats, Lynn Franks and Cliff grow. Um, in district 19, two Democrats, Geneva Mina and Russell Wyatt facing off in district 20, uh, Two Republicans and a Democrat, Paula Bauer and Jordan Harari, the registered Republicans, and Andrew Gray, the Democrat. This is the UMED district. Uh, So uh, Andrew Andrew Gray is the Democrat in that uh, uh, race. District 21, again, no candidates filed. No candidates filed. Uh, District 22, uh, Lisa Simpson is the Republican, along with Stanley Wright, both Republicans against Ted Eishide, uh, the Democrat. Jamie Allard running unopposed in District 23 in Eagle River. District 24 is Sharon Jackson and Dan Sadler, both of whom are Republicans, although only one of them is pro-PFD. i got to say that right now. Delana Johnson facing a registered Republican in her District 25, Lawrence Wood. That's Larry Wood we talked about earlier. Uh, he's a listener to the show and sent me that email yesterday. Kathy Tilton, the minority leader facing a challenger, a registered libertarian. Daniel Stokes. Ooh, we have to talk to Daniel. I like Kathy, but I also like, like I said, I like to see everybody with a challenger. District 27, David Eastman, the incumbent facing Republican Stuart Graham. Stu Graham. District 28, Registered Republicans fighting it out, two of them, Rachel Allen and Jessica Wright. Uh, in District 29, George Rousher, the incumbent, is running unopposed. District 30, Kevin J. McCabe facing off against Republican challenger Doyle Holmes. District 31, this is going to be a fun one. You've got Bart LeBond, registered Republican, against Kelly Nash, registered Republican, against Shelly Wyatt, Alaska Oh, wait, this one says does not meet residency requirements, so it's denied. So they're fighting against Maxine Dilbert, the registered Democrat. Will Stapp is a Republican in Fairbanks, running for 32. He is unopposed at this point. Mike Prax running unopposed for his seat in North Pole 30, for District 33. District 34, Grier Hopkins. You're right, right here. But he's being fought against with uh, Frank Tomaszowski, who is uh, – He's got some headway. He's got some steam. And Nate DeMars, both of them registered Republicans. District 35 is uh, in Fairbanks, and that is uh, a Constitution Party, Kieran Brown, uh, Democrat Ashley Carrick, Republican Michael, uh, excuse me, Ruben McNeil, and nonpartisan Tim Parker. Mike Cronk also picked up a candidate uh, running against him as a Democrat, Angela K. Fitch Fowler. That's interesting. Bryce Edgman running unopposed in District 37. That's a crying shame. Uh, I wish somebody had filed against him. State Representative 38, Conrad C.J. McCormick is a registered Democrat running unopposed. Neil Foster is running against Tyler Ivanoff. Ivanoff is an independent, which ought to be interesting out there. And Josiah Pakatak is running unopposed in district 40 that's the whole rundown there's a lot of stuff in there i'm i'm interested to see what more comes out of this all right we're gonna open up the phone lines when we get back i'm sorry that was a lot it's a lot but we're gonna put that uh, we'll post that list up you can go look at it for yourself reminder today at 5 p.m is the deadline to get filed we gotta go back with more of the michael duke show Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Damn, that was a lot. But there's a. that's a good, that's a, I like that report. Man, I don't know why I hadn't found that earlier. Thank you, Kevin. Let's go over to the phone lines and see who's there. Uh, and we'll get them ready for the return to radio. Hey, who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: This is Carlene in
2: Kodiak. Well, hello, my dear Carlene. How are things on the Emerald Isle today?
1: Excellent, Michael. Good, good. Excellent. Thank you,
2: and you. Uh, You know what? It's every day above ground is a good day. That's all I can say. So hold the line for me, Carlene. I will be back to you uh, in just a moment. Uh, The challenger to Ron Gillum is a pharmacist who believes in medical tyranny. I I've not been following that discussion, so we'll see what's going on. Uh, Hopkins won't win. His new district is much more Republican. Uh, I think Hopkins. Uh, first of all, <laughs> uh, uh, Tomaszowski has been doing. I mean, that guy has been. Uh, even I, I'm not even in the district anymore, and I've been hearing about a lot of the work that he's been doing. And he's got he's got a lot of support. So that's going to be interesting. Um. I'm gonna to have to find out more about Ron Gillum's challenger. And Siobhan Meggett says Susie is running against Ortiz. She is a conservative. Even though they're both listed as nonpartisan, she is apparently the conservative. Eastman does have a challenger, Stuart Graham. I hope he gets some uh, uh hope you get some stuff. Uh support Jay McDonald. Shreggy is a blue liberal. Yes, yes, yes. Mike Sheldon. We need to help Sheldon get elected. I mean, I wish we could do more. Um Geisel, Geisel. She got her ass kicked and she wants to run again. Doug Massey is running in the Valley, retired colonel for fish and wildlife. Uh running against shower, though. I mean, I don't know. I maybe I'm just biased. I think Mike's been doing a good job. Um uh, scrolling through here still. Um isn't Massey a union guy? He retired yesterday, so he must file today. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Scaffoldstadt is a great challenger, solid conservative, which is good to hear. Um, no on Justin Ruthledge against Gillum. He is against ivermectin and alternative treatments. He owns a professional. F- oh, I heard a little bit about this fight down there that was going on. Um. <clears throat> Oh, Lisa Simpson Vaught is LaDue's chief of staff. She filed to run a few days ago. Who's that uh, Simpson? Uh, oh, she's running in 22. She's a Republican. She used to be LaDue's chief of staff. Well, that's an automatic disqualifier for me. Sorry. Um, okay. Kevin McCabe for his seat. Go Kelly Nash. Frank Tomaszewski is the guy. Oh, Tomaszewski. I'm sorry. Thank you, Barbara. I, I mean, I, we've had some conversations, but I don't think I've ever actually had to pronounce his name. There's going to be a huge amount of turnover. You are absolutely right. Um, uh, there's some going to be some new names on the list for tomorrow's show. That's for sure because Bishop's Challenger isn't the named isn't named yet. Okay, good. I'd love to see it. If Kawasaki not running, I haven't seen him file. He's not on the list, and it was updated at 10 o'clock last night. This last list that I just read through, 10 o'clock. So I'm assuming that there'll be a lot of last-minute filings today. So I'm assuming we will see somebody eventually file for District 21 and District 16. Um, Can the Republicans maintain a real conservative majority without the turncoats so we have some movement on the conservative agenda and don't have to endure another year of word salad? I don't know. This show will be around, so you'll probably still have plenty of word salad. Bring the dressing. Um. She Simpson is a Republican, but I still think under indictment should do some research. What do I think of Mike Cronk? Um, I like Mike. Um, he's not as conservative as I would like. He's made some votes that have made me scratch my head a little bit. Um, but uh, as opposed to the other choice, uh, still a good choice. Um. All right. Whew, made it to the end of the comments today. Yay. <clears throat> um, Yeah, I mean, I like Mike. Um, I think that he and I probably agree on probably 70 75% of the things. There's been a few votes, and I'd have to go back and look to see, but there have been a few votes that I've kind of scratched my head on. Um, but I understand that he serves a rural, really rural district that uh, I don't have to be a part of. Um. I mean, he's the best choice of what they got on the table right now. Um, I, would again, would like to see him be a little bit more conservative, but that's, you know, I I can't have everything. If the ARP would actually back real conservative candidates instead of the same ones over and over, it may be different. I agree, Karen. I mean, I've said it for years. The Alaska Republican Party is part of the problem. They have allowed this to go on. They have control of their membership. I mean, they can control these things. They can control where the money goes. And yet they continue to support candidates that are wishy washy, mediocre, or just outright too much pro government for my taste. All right, we got to go. <clears throat> Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. Okay, welcome back to the program. Uh, final uh, final segment of the hour. Don't know what happened to Mike Shower. Might have to beat him up a little bit, see if we can get him on tomorrow. I don't know. Coming up tomorrow, we're also going to be talking with Billy Toyen, who is the Libertarian candidate for governor, along with his uh, lieutenant governor candidate, which I was just going to say, I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but Look at me, I've got a whole list right in front of me here that I can uh, draw from that has all the names right there. Shirley Rainbolt. So Willie, uh, Bill, uh, Billy Toyn and Shirley Rainbolt should be on the program tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's go over to the phones. Uh, Carlene, my favorite lady in Kodiak, is on the line with us today. Let's see what uh, she has to say. She always brings a bit of wisdom to the program. Hello there, young lady. What's on your mind?
1: Um, about the redistricting, things have changed over here. Uh, Kodiak used to cover Cordova, Yakutat, Kenai, Homer, Saldovia, Anchor Point, and there may be others that I don't know about, but some are no longer part of our district, where Gary Stevens is the senator, but Seward is now part of our district.
2: Yeah, so... Oh,
1: Seward people. The new people should become aware, you know, of who's running and pay attention now.
2: Yeah, no, I I definitely uh, agree with that. I mean, some of these districts have changed dramatically in the shape and form and, and where they cover. I mean, whole areas that used to be covered are not, and, uh, and sometimes they've got new communities. I think uh, Kevin McCabe was telling me that his new district includes uh, uh, Cantwell and Anderson uh, from Big Lake, which is quite a big jump. Uh, In that direction. So, yeah, I mean, definitely people need to be looking at that. And I mean, again, I was remiss in not uh, not knowing and it took me four years to memorize all the districts as to where they were in the state. And now I got to do it all over again uh, because they keep swapping them around from one end of the state to the other. But yeah, no, that's a that's good to know. Seward is now covered and they will be voting in that district as well. Um, are you hearing anything down there, Carlene? I'm assuming you talked to some of your folks and friends and people, you know, um, I mean, are they happy with the coverage, the, the, the leadership that they're getting from Stutes and Stevens, or is there a murmur that maybe somebody else can help and do a, do a better job?
1: Well, with the COVID, I haven't talked with very many people, but there are people that have not been happy and, um. With uh, a lot of the things that have been going on the last couple of years, I don't want to clue anybody in. Um, I may be cluing in Stevens and Stoops, and I don't want to do that.
2: Okay, well, <clears throat> I'd love to see—I would love to see more challengers come into some of these races. Um, and again, uh, you know, people—Stevens, uh, I think, has got two solid challengers. Uh, Stutz has only got uh, the one Benjamin Vincent, who I know nothing about, but I'm looking forward to finding out more. That's for sure. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So it's good to good to give me the intel on that. Thank you for sounding off this morning, Carlene. It's always good to hear from you,
1: um, Michael. Actually, people do not know that Louise voted against the PFT and also Gary. They do not
2: know that. Well, sure. I mean, how, how are they not paying attention to that? I mean, I gotta be honest with you, if I was running against them, that would be the first thing I would put on any flyer or ad or anything else. It would said they voted against your PFD. Period. That would be in big bold letters. Uh, and then of course any sound bite of something that they came for that said we just can't afford this or whatever else. I mean, you could pull all that information out. I would I mean I would run I would run that, that one hard right now so people need to know and you know they don't know carlene because they're not paying attention so you got to bring it to their attention
1: okay i'll clue you in on something else too okay harry stevens has never been to homer i doubt i don't know i'm cluing him in now he just might even go over to seward now into these places but he's never been there he has offices in those places but um I'm saying more than I want to because that might be helping him to win.
2: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I I mean, I was not aware that. I thought he had been in Homer. I know he's been on uh, one of the the public stations down there, although he could have done that by telephone. Uh, So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I don't think that people on the Lower Peninsula feel a lot of love for Gary uh, or are feeling a lot of love from Gary, I guess I should say, uh, from what I've talked to because, again, he hasn't spent much time over there and uh, maybe now's the time to make a difference. Maybe that's why there's two challengers from the peninsula running against him. I guess we'll have to see.
1: The love that you're talking about, like your libertarian friends, that the Eskimo libertarian and the others that you absolutely love, that's how I felt about Charlie Pierce. I kept going back to his booth, and I walked away feeling 10 feet high, And then I grieved when I knew they were leaving the next day. That's the kind of love that I I can. I feel the same way you do.
2: Well, that's good. I'm glad you got a chance to go out there, and thank you for giving us the update from uh, from Kodiak, the Emerald Isle, my favorite place to uh, one of my favorite places to be when I was younger. I spent. uh, I spent a good uh, 10 years there one year. Uh, well, what I was right after high school, I fished out of Kodiak for over a year and actually worked at the radio stations there in Kodiak um, for a goodly time. It was a lot of fun, um, and I seriously enjoyed it. It's a good community down there, good folks. Thank you, Carleen. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, today is going to – I imagine today is going to be busy. Uh, we've got two two districts with uh, no challengers at with no uh, sorry candidates at all, and we've got a handful of seats with no challengers at all. So I imagine we'll see some changes come up here, <clears throat> and see what um, and see what it looks like. But there's a lot of stuff. I'm posting this link up in the chat room again. So if you want to go out to my Facebook broadcast. And find it. It's at elections.alaska.gov, and it's called the primary candidate list. And they are refreshing it as they receive paperwork. So uh, the 2022 primary candidate list. You can go take a look at it, and um, and you know just be looking, figure out where your districts are, figure out who's running, and see if it's something that you want to do. That's uh, I, I don't think we can do that on there. Yeah, I spent ten years down there. It was a joke. Ten years down there. One year it was a. Some people have no sense of humor. Some people. It was like you know I spent a year there. One week. I mean it's a. It felt it was good. Ten years though. In that one year it was a good ten years. I enjoyed it. Tremendously. Kodiak is a fun place. Probably uh, my second favorite place outside of uh, outside of Homer. Uh, I do en- I do enjoy me some Kodiak time. All right, folks. Uh, out of time for today. We gotta go. So we're gonna we will peel out tomorrow. Billy Toyn, Shirley Rainbolt, and then hopefully Mike Shower. Mm. We'll see what that looks like. So that's tomorrow's show. Don't forget this Saturday we'll be broadcasting live for the Alaska Radio Auction. You can find out all the details at AlaskaRadioAuction.com. We're gonna start at 10 a.m. For most of the state the peninsula will join us at 11 we'll be getting stuff out there for pennies on the dollar you want to get some good stuff this saturday alaskaradioauction.com michael luke show continues tomorrow have a great day my friends see you then all right be kind love one another don't be like Harold. Who's so cynical. So cynical, Harold. Can a guy have a little fun? That is my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, my friends. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Radio.